Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining me for this week's episode of When I Grew Up. On today's episode, it is my pleasure to introduce you to my friend Mike Son. Hi Mike, how are you? Hey Blair, how's it going? It's going well, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Yeah, thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, um, I, I, I know that we met like through mutual friends and stuff, mm-hmm. but, um, and I kind of know your story a little bit just through, um, actually, I think you did a workshop, right, for our church? Yeah, yeah. We, uh, my wife, Jean, and I, we did a workshop at your church. Um, we talked about financial like, literacy. Mm. And so, yeah. Well, I'm excited to get into that um, yeah. later on in our conversation tonight. But before we, we do, um, can you tell me what it is that you do, Mike? <laughs> sure. Um, so what I do, the best way, and I've tried to explain this to multiple people over like 20 years. The best way I can explain it now is, I have a job like Chandler Bing from Friends. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, the more I try to explain it, the more people tune out. And so basically, I'm going to try again to explain it to you. Okay. And see, if, see if this works. I'm and ready. So, um, any, anytime you buy something from somewhere, like you go to a gas station and buy a bag of chips, mm-hmm. it's there because somebody sold it and made it appear on that shelf right okay and so that's happening everywhere you go everything you buy like you're buying it but someone is selling it to get there and so my job is to make sure those people that sold it Uh get paid the right amount of money for selling that stuff to get to that point and so it's called it's called sales performance management but basically I work with a bunch of data and make sure people get sit get paid the right amount of stuff for the oh, right amount of Okay. Yeah, right I mean amount. so that yeah. concept is like I I believe I understand it. Yeah. Um but so um I guess my question now is you said you work with a lot of da- yes. data to yes. get the information that you need yeah. to make sure yeah. your client is getting the uh-huh. money yes. that is promised to them. Yeah, it's like their commission check, you know? So when someone's making all these sales, they could be doing it at like um, levels where, you know, there's like millions of transactions happening uh-huh. in a week, you know? So these are like massive companies I'm talking okay. about now. So to, to expand it more, like these companies have like huge sales forces of like thousands of people going out and like selling their stuff to appear wherever we buy it. Okay, and yes. So all those salespeople are making all these sales, millions of transactions coming in, but they have like nuances of like how much they get paid if they sell this product or this other product or what's their market share or like all these different rules that apply. And so for companies to try to do that all like manually or with Excel spreadsheets, mm-hmm. it can be tough to do and tough to audit. Mm-hmm. And so there's these other companies that have software that can take that information and you can apply logic and make sure like it's automated and everyone's getting their commission money and everyone's happy and they're getting paid well. And so that there's a whole industry that it's called sales performance management. And that's what we do. It's a very niche industry. Mm-hmm. Um, like once you're in it, you kind of see the same names appear over and over. Even as you move companies, you're like, Oh, this is like a small world, um, a small group of people that are mm-hmm. in this industry. Um, but, but that's what we do. So okay, I'm, interesting. Yeah. I'm like yeah. so fascinated by the fact that like I would never think of this. Yeah, <laughs> I would never either. <laughs> I know because you're just like buying stuff and you're like, oh, this is what I want. But like, you know, um, for that product to get there, people have sold it probably a, a number of different channels or avenues, and so um, those people are getting paid. Some okay. Big bucks sometimes. So. so okay, so um okay, so, okay, so okay, for example, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like say I buy something online from Nordstrom's, right? Yeah. But what yeah. you're saying is like so I buy like a like a brand name product. I can't even like yeah. Nike, okay? Yeah. And then yeah. so you're saying Nike sold that to Nordstrom's. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But then the person that sold yeah. That product to Nordstrom's 
has yeah. to get paid. But you're saying there are a lot of people doing this with different companies. Like a lot of Nike yeah. products are being sold to different companies. Yeah. And then that, that person who's selling to Nordstrom, that person probably has a boss and that person has a boss and they're, they need to get paid based on how that person's doing. And so like all these salespeople who, who have like this very transferable skill, they're, they're just selling, selling, selling. And then they expect the more they sell, the more they get paid. But okay. it's not, it's not as simple as like a dollar for every shoe, you know, it can get pretty, right, pretty right. complicated. Yeah. Okay, so now can I ask you? So I understand what it is generally yeah. what you do, but like yeah. specifically, what is like your job? Like, is okay. it yes? So my job, my ti- I'll, I'll I'll tell you my title, and then I'll tell you how I see my job. Okay, okay. So my title is, I think <laughs> I haven't looked in a while. It's senior consultant um, of SPM, like senior sales performance management consultant. But really, I'm like, if, if we have our system that's running and doing all this stuff, mm-hmm. I'm like the mechanic and the detective for the system. Mm-hmm. So somebody already built it. Someone mm-hmm. already like was the builder of it. Mm-hmm. And now sometimes things change or things break or things, the data is bad. And so they need people to look into the issues and explore and like figure out how to solve issues. So I'm like the mechanic. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if, if something is right, they just don't know why I'm like the detective that has to go in and explain, okay, this is like this because of all these different logical pieces that um, you said you wanted. And so it's built that way. And so, um, so that's my job. I'm like a mechanic or a detective for a data system. Okay. And yeah. so like, how did you come become familiar? I mean, I would assume you need to know the system very well. Yeah. And so I've done this enough times. So this is actually my second stint. So my career kind of took um, a detour for a little bit. And, and I can talk about this later. But early in my career, when I just graduated college, I was the builder. I was building these systems. And I was like having to know all the rules and all the logic and like build it from scratch. And then you build enough of these things where um, you can kind of just look at it and investigate without really being the builder. And so now in my second stint in this career, mm-hmm. um, I'm much more comfortable. Like I don't need to know how somebody built it. Um, they don't need to explain it to me because I can just go in and like find things by myself. And so, oh, wow. yeah, so it, it's, it's been an evolution. So now it's, it's more of like, I'm like a glorified help desk person. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> so honestly, like, um, like there's, these tickets that come in mm-hmm. and I have to respond by a certain time, mm-hmm. but it's, it's not like you can just hire someone off the street to do this. Like you I have see. to know what you're doing, mm-hmm. but like, it's like Apple genius bar. Like there's, there's goals I need to meet and time that I have to fix things within. Okay. Um, but, but it's like, it's fun. Like I, I can, exp- I can train people in it. It's like, so, um, it sounds kind of complicated, but if you can think logically and just follow numbers, mm-hmm. you can do my job. So okay. I've, I've trained um, uh, a former, when I was a um, Bible study teacher at KCPC, there was a former student of mine who um, he didn't know what he wanted to do. And so I said, hey, come check out what I do. And I just kind of showed him what I do. And like over time, um, we developed a relationship and I hired him and then he worked with me and then now he's doing this stuff at another level with a different company. And so oh, wow. uh, it just takes someone who, who has um, a little bit of willpower and mm-hmm. just can think logically and they can do this job. Okay. So I guess that's my next question or was yeah. going to be, you know, you said um, think logically, but yeah. so there's a lot of numbers involved. Yeah. Yeah. There's okay. a lot. Of, it's just, um, numbers and like uh patterns that are involved Mm, and so if you can just kind of like so part of why I think I'm pretty good at this job is because and this is going to go into like how I got to this job but Mm -hmm. um I love doing brain teasers when I was younger like Uh, all these like riddles and brain teasers those like lit me up and I was like oh this is so fascinating how you can think of these problems in a different way and then um, have a cool answer or a cool um, approach. And so if you enjoy that kind of thing, 
then you'd be really good at what I do. Okay. I do not, but I know there's a lot of people that do. Um, (laughs) um, Well, yeah, you were mentioning how you got into it. And you also mentioned that it's kind of a niche group Mm -hmm. of of people. Um, Maybe you could even take me back to the beginning, like when you started college and stuff, um, like what you studied. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to school, um, graduated high school. So I was actually like pretty smart in high school. I I did okay. My GPA was good. My SAT scores were good, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. So Mm -hmm. I just, I went to a state school in New York. So I grew up in New York, Mm -hmm. went to um, Binghamton University, which is kind of like the Georgia state of, of New York. And so I started and majored in math because I was like, let me, let me just try this. I'm good at math, but math got super hard, got super theoretical and it was like not fun at all. And so I was like, all right, well, let me, let me try programming. My brother was Mm. doing like computer science. I took Java. Have you heard heard of Java? Yes. I know it's a language. Yeah. It's like a programming (laughs) language. That's about all I know too. Cause (laughs) I took it and I, dropped it within the first three weeks oh, wow. and then the next semester I was like no I think I can do this so I signed up took it again dropped it again after three weeks and then I did it a third time and dropped it again so it was like three strikes and you're out like I, I just could not catch on to programming uh-huh, okay. and so so I switched to uh, being a business major mm. and so transferred to a different school and finished school um, as a business major and so um, that was all kind of like in this season of life where you don't really know what you're doing. You're just kind of like taking a guess or like following advice of what you think you're supposed to do. And so that's, that's kind of what I was doing. Mm. Um, but my interview process was, um, you know, I, I went to like a career day at a school and a company that, um, was there just kind of picked up my resume and they, their interview process was like, all brain teasers and riddles and I was like oh like I don't know what this company does but I can I can interview and I can like talk about these things because I really enjoyed um that process of solving problems and so I did I kind of stumbled into this job because I liked the brain teasers wow yeah that was their interview yeah they had like um it it wasn't just the brain teasers but Uh every round of interviews like before you could even interview, there were like online tests that you had to take. One was like language based or verbal based. And then another one was like math problems. And then uh, another one was like logical problems. And then you got to interview. But then at the end of every interview, they would ask you two or three brain teasers, like, and you had to solve them on the spot. And it was like, it was kind of like stressful, but it was fun to just talk through solving a problem. Like, with someone who's interviewing you that is so so interesting to me yeah 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 so i i'm sure like you know a lot of the high-tech companies like google and facebook they they probably do this a lot and Mm so this company was it was like trying to be one of those but it was like super small and so yeah (laughs) but um but eventually you know i just followed the interview process Mm -hmm. and then um had had a good vibe about the company it was like a small startup feel to it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they were based in philly and so i just went with it and once i got there then i started realizing okay this is like i gotta know data and i gotta like follow these numbers and like just start following data through a system and then once i picked that up it was super easy so wow um i mean so that's not has nothing to do with your business degree though right no no so it's like I feel like the business degree, it just, it helps. It gives Mm. you something to talk about. Um, But it's not like I was running my own business or I wasn't doing accounting or I wasn't doing marketing. Right, Um, right. I was literally just solving problems for like data problems for companies. And so, yeah. Um, So that's, that's kind of what, um, I don't know. It's, I'm glad I I followed this path Mm because it, it it fits my strengths, Mm. but it wasn't like a proactive step, mm. if you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, it does yeah. make sense. Um, just out of curiosity, yeah. you know, you were saying you had, you know, your first stint and then your second yeah. stint. Yeah. Um, is this for the same company? 
Uh, it's related. So they're all kind of, the, I mean, you can, like I said, it's a small world. Uh-huh. And so as long as you have a good reputation, you can kind of just like uh, move around and it, it, it's kind of okay. You know, as long as you keep your relationships good. I see, I see. And so um, the company I started with was based in um, Philly, uh-huh. but they, they opened offices in India and Romania. And so I got to go out there and like for two years, I was overseas and training the local people they were hiring in India and Romania what? to do what we do, you know? And then um, after that time abroad, this was in my mid 20s. So I was like 24 to 26. Then I came back to America and switched companies to a consulting firm that our job was to know these different products that do the sales performance management mm-hmm. thing and just implement that for other companies. And so, um, so it's, that was the company that, um, that I ended with. And then now I'm back with them. I see. So okay. that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. How was your, like, were your, was your time in India and Romania like long stints or? Yeah. So India was about four months. And so, um, yeah, yeah. Like you're expected to pack up and just go and live there. And, um, you have to, you have to dive right into that culture. Like you can't hold on to any like American expectations, you know? Right. And so when I was there, um, I got, I got an Indian driver's license, got a (gasps) scooter. And I, I was just like, let me just live as much as I can. Like how the people here live, you know, so I would eat the food and just all this stuff, you know, wear what they're wearing and, and just, um, just enjoy that culture. And so that was four months. And then from there, they asked if I wanted to go to Romania and I said, sure, let me just try another country. But that was supposed to be four months. And I want, once I got there, I was like, I didn't enjoy it because it was not, as different compared to America. It was similar to America, but not the same. And so I kept like bringing, bringing my American expectations with me in Romania. And I was, I was a little unhappy for the first few months, but then my, uh, another friend came from Arizona and he got there and then like, we just hit it off. We had a good time. And then, then I ended up staying like a year and a half longer than I was supposed to. Oh, wow. (laughs) wow that's crazy but you i mean you said when you came back you were 26 or something yeah i was like i was probably 26 27 by that time wow you were so young when you went to these other countries then yeah yeah so that was like um that was part of like part of my career story i i worked really hard in the first couple years of joining this company because there was nothing else it work was like the epicenter of my life at the time, you know? Mm. And so um, it was work and then basketball. I would play basketball like when I wasn't injured, but um, I, I put in a lot of hours and it, that was a good thing and probably, you know, not super healthy, but I remember like um, there were times where um, because, because we work with like people's paychecks, like mm-hmm. things have to be done on time. Like you can't be late with certain things. Mm. And so there were times where I lived about a mile from the office and there was one time where it was, there was like a a blizzard, like a snowstorm and it was like a state of emergency in Pennsylvania, but my client needed something done. And this was before we could work remotely. And Mm so I like bundled up, like dressed up, put on my boots and I, I walked to the office and you know, like how you hear parents say, you know, when I was your age, I used to walk to school both ways, like uphill, you know, and it was, it was one of those moments for me. It like the walk, there was like uphills both ways. Like it was a hilly walk. Oh my And so I walked to my office and like, I got the thing done and then walked back home. And like, I was, I was doing stuff like that just to, um, just to show like my, you know, how much I I wanted like a promotion that that's kind of what the motive was at the time. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, as you were talking, I was just wondering, um, so is it, a, is it like a competitive, cause it's small. So is it like kind of yeah. competitive too? I, I don't know if it's competitive. It, 
it's competitive to get in. But I see. I think it's more about your your perspective on on life. Now now looking back, mm. I'm like I was super competitive because that's the only way I knew how to right. be in my right. career. Right. Because it seemed like opportunities were limited. So whoever was like the hardest worker would get the opportunity, but mm-hmm. now I'm I'm a little more like open-handed, you know? Mm. So even though there are like you know there are limited opportunities, but I, I still think you can create some new ones along the way. And so yeah. I actually, now I'm in a season where I'm saying no to a lot of things so that, so I can keep my focus on the right thing. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so if someone's thinking about this industry or any industry in general, you know, there's always going to be some opportunity as, mm-hmm. as long as you, your perspective is healthy. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. Great advice. You said keep your focus yeah. on the right thing. And what is yeah. the right thing for you? So, so here's where like, um, in, in my work, it's, it's all like most, the way I see life now, like most organizations, most people, they operate like the mafia or like the mob, you know, okay. <laughs> it, it's all just like about relationships and like making sure you're good with the right people that have like, the decision-making power, you know? Yeah, I'm like kind of half smiling and laughing because I don't disagree yeah. with you like, at yeah. all. Yeah. I know. So this is like, but when you hear this kind of stuff when you're younger, you're like, I don't know, that feels slimy. It feels like icky. But mm. I think the the older you get and the more you realize like people have limited time, they can't think about everything like fairly and equally. Mm. They're going to default to like who they know and like, uh, do I trust this person, you know? Mm. And so... um. Which, by the way, this is another detour, but there's a book called, um, I wrote it down, The Unspoken Rules mm-hmm. by Gorik Ng. And I've been reading it now. And it's, I think it's like super helpful for anyone like just starting off their career. Mm. Just he, he gives this, this advice. He was like a Harvard grad and he was realizing like he didn't get a lot of the opportunities. He's like, what is going on? So he studied this mm-hmm. field and now he's, I think he's a professor at Harvard and he's teaching um, people how to navigate their careers so he wrote a book wow. called the yeah that seems so, like really valuable I'm unspoken rule yeah the unspoken rules okay and rules. so um okay. yeah Gorik Ng um pretty sure he's Asian American um mm-hmm. and he, he grew up with like a single mom and like he his story is amazing and so um for any of your listeners that that book I think would would help them in their career awesome but yeah but back to the mob mentality like <laughs> so I I just at work, I'm just making sure the right people that are my clients are, I just want to know what's their number one thing. Mm. And that's it. Like, I don't ask about number two. I'm like, what's your top priority? Mm. Okay, that's where I'm going to spend all my time and energy. And then when I'm done with that, I'll ask you, what's the next top priority? And so that way, um, we're not wasting time going through a list of 10 things when sure. really, they really just want the first thing done. You oh, know? yeah. And so that's, that's what I've been doing just saying no to everything else. Um, if it's not on that priority list, we don't need to talk about it until it becomes a priority. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. efficient. I yeah. Like. Yeah. And it's, it's like a little uncomfortable at first, but once you realize there are certain people that love that they operate mm-hmm. on priorities and you just ask them like, okay, what's more important, this or that, this, and say, okay, I'm going to work on this and that's it. See ya. You know? I'll yeah, come back yeah. when it's not to work on that. You know? Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, Mike, I was wondering also, um, I know this wasn't like something you studied or majored. Like, yeah. is there like a major for this? Like, is there something you could have studied in order to be better going into um, this yeah, field? Or? I think so. There's like people that study IT, like information technology. Okay. And that can help in this field. I see. Um, but I, I do think like, um, you know, for example, my, one of my bosses, he, he played tennis with this younger dude. And as, as they were talking, the guy was like, Hey, I'm looking for a job. And then that guy works at my company, you know, and he, mm. he's like really good at what he does. Cause he can just think logically. And I so, see. yeah, like, um, if anyone wants to reach out to me and we can, we can have a conversation and maybe see if, if they're looking to do something. Yeah. This mind. sounds extremely like, um, 
like interesting because like I feel like what you're saying is you don't have to be boxed in by no. your education in order to do this. But right. if you're a logical thinker, yeah, then this is some uh, may be a good opportunity for yes. someone to look into it. Yeah, um, absolutely, absolutely. That's really cool. Um. By the way, do you work from home like normally? I, I do. And so I've been working from home since like 2009-ish. Yeah, see, that and seems then, like a big perk, right? <laughs> <laughs> it is amazing. Like it, um, So it, it fits me as a person. Like mm. I, I remember growing up, I spent a lot of time like in my bedroom, like stringing a lacrosse stick, for example. Like I was really okay. into lacrosse or I'd be like, um, when I was even younger, like Ross from Friends, like playing his little keyboard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. Mike, what I'm worried about is like, huh? I know all of these Friends references, yeah. but maybe people listening might not know. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, <laughs> but I Friends, love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. The Friends Go watch Friends, everybody. Out, so I know, I know. <laughs> Anyways, like, so I, I would do a lot of that, just like sitting there, like listening to songs and trying to figure them out or like stringing a lacrosse stick and then even in college, um, everyone would like to study in the library, but uh-huh. I was like, I can't, I can't concentrate here. So I'd go back to my room and just study in my room. And so I realized working from home was just like a natural fit. Like it, it's where I, I can, you know, be very disciplined and, and get things done and get things done efficiently. Yeah. So it's not for um, everybody. But yeah. You know, I, you know, you, have a family right mm-hmm. and um two little girls and um i too have a family so david you know during the pandemic working from home i did i think he didn't even realize how great it was until yeah. he actually did it yeah and even you know even though he doesn't see the kids like while he's working in the basement mm-hmm. i think even just the presence of him being here yeah and coming up for lunch and things yeah. like that has really impacted our family and um so I just feel like, wow, what a, so it's like so cool that you've been doing that for so long. It's, it's not because of the pandemic, right? So, no, no, it, it's not because of the pandemic, but yeah. it's, yeah. So is he still working from home? No, well, he, their company does one day a week now. He, they mm-hmm. actually went back really early. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of an old school company with a lot of older people that maybe aren't as techno- technologically savvy. So it yeah. was a little bit of a transition for people to work from home okay um but yeah unfortunately he is back but he works from home once a week which is good yeah um but like for us like during the pandemic too like because we realized the impact it had on our family and our kids for Mm -hmm. him to be home and eat lunch Mm -hmm. together it's just like Mm -hmm. one more touch point i feel like yeah so he um usually he like before the pandemic he wouldn't come home for lunch um but now he because it's only like 10 15 minutes okay. from our house so now he makes the effort to come oh, home for lunch that's so it's cool yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah that time is super important um i've heard it said you know how do, how do kids spell love it's t-i-n-e you know oh yeah and so um for for me and gene like early in our marriage we spent like hours like tons of hours together because she was a school teacher and she had summers off and I was working from home. Right. And so we would just be like with each other for hours and hours. And that was like a big investment in our marriage. And then even with when our first um, daughter was born, she, you know, I was working from home. Jean was a stay-at-home mom. And so hours and hours together, just hanging out like three meals a day and like doing life together. And so how special. That, yeah. So it was like um, good times to yeah. or a good investment. Yeah. Amazing. Well, mm-hmm. I really want to get into um, what we said we we're going to talk about later, yeah. which is now. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you said you did two stints, but could you yes. expand on like why was there a break in between your work okay. stints? So the, what happened was now looking back, I, I went from my day job, which was what I was doing. And then I trans- transitioned to what was like a dream job. Mm. Um, that was working at a local church. And now I'm in a new season where my most important job is to be a dad. So it's like my dad job. So from my day job to my dream job to now my job, my job as a dad. Interesting. And so the, 
the the dream job came about um and i I still love everything about it it just wasn't um a sustainable job for the season we were in but Mm -hmm. it was at working at Gwinnett church as um a groups director for the high school ministry and so because we were while i was at my day job we were volunteering a ton at our local church kcpc as um you know bible study teachers for the high school uh, ministry and then we transitioned to Gwinnett church and did the same thing we were involved as small group leaders at um, inside out which is what uh, Gwinnett church calls their high school ministry and we loved everything about it like just pouring into um, younger people and just giving some of your time away was like so satisfying for us and it kind of gave us a sense of purpose and it still does and so um as we were volunteering there they approached Jean first and asked if she wanted to come on staff and so she got a job with Gwinnett Church as a part-time coordinator for the middle school ministry mm-hmm. and then a couple couple months later they asked me if I wanted to work there and I said yes and so um it, it was an awesome three and a half years working at Gwinnett Church oh wow so, you're there longer than I actually thought but that's yeah amazing. yeah yeah and so Part of that was, um, you know, we we kind of took a bump in, or a, a cut in pay. Mm-hmm. And so to go from what I was doing with IT and data to go work for a church, um, it was a pay cut, but we were prepared to to handle that. And that was like worth the, the risk for us. Yeah. And so three and a half years of doing that. Um, but along the way, having kids and raising a family of our own, and both of us working in student ministry mm-hmm. and both of us loving our jobs and caring about our jobs, but also having to figure out the work-life balance. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of, it became clear, like one of us should own the home and the other one should continue on and like, you know, stay on the mission of the church. And so I decided like, let me, let me just put some feelers out back with people I used to work with and see if, see if I can get anything anytime mm-hmm. soon. And, that happened really quick. It like they were ready to, to hire me back. And so, um, and I was excited. And so, yeah, so I made the change back to work from home in it. Wow. I mean, what a call, you know, like, I mean, you know, cause like, um, being in ministry, right. Like in church ministry too, and doing God's work in that capacity, right. Is a calling in itself. And, and, in the you know you call it your dream job mm-hmm. that's what you refer to it as and i think it's just such a a testament to who you guys are as a family to be like you know what this is my dream job but my calling right now is to you know take care of of our family in this capacity and serve the yeah. king, kingdom of god this way is like yeah. so amazing like i think it's so amazing um thank you yeah. Um, you know, I, did you want to elaborate any more on this or, um, well, part of, part of that journey is realizing like certain skills are transferable from one job to another, you know what I mean? Oh. Like just showing up and like having a good attitude Yeah. and being positive and saying what you're going to do and then doing what you said you were going to do, you know, mm. um, those kinds of things transfer over no matter where you work you know Mm -hmm. so um and then that's working at the church is really where i learned like the whole like relationships matter more than like rules and like Mm. policies and procedures you know it's more like hey how how are you doing with this person um how are you doing as a person you know like are you working on yourself and, and things like that and so there's a lot of things that um i learned working at Gwinnett church that now make me even better in this it world of corporate you know structures and all that stuff and so um yeah there there there's a wealth of of knowledge that that i picked up in those three and a half years so yeah Yeah. i mean like i guess you know it's funny i i that's a good question i should have asked you about you know how that trend like transition was for you but i think for myself it was like this assumption of just a lot of assuming things about you and Uh your job. But then um, it's so enlightening for me to hear that you've grown more from your church uh, work 
Yeah. And it's helped you in your IT work now. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think for anyone that's like working in a kind of like a, like a black and white IT job or mm-hmm. anything that's like super boxy feeling, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there are things we can still do to bring a life to that mm-hmm. world, you know? And so um, there's uh, just understanding and, and working on yourself, understanding your wiring. Mm-hmm. I think it, it goes a long way when you start to have conversations with people in a corporate environment. Cause a lot of times I'll explain stuff through the lens of like me as a person and my needs and my, like how I work best and my energy levels and stuff like that. Yes. And it kind of gives people permission to see me as a human. And then we can have like human to human conversations instead of like, you know, this very formal, you know, corporate speak, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we waste a lot of time keeping it like that. Yeah. You know, yeah, for sure. For sure, yeah. man, that's so good. <laughs> that's really good stuff. I mean, like, and also, it also kind of, for me, what I hear from your story right now is like, like literally, it would be easy to, maybe for somebody to see, oh, like maybe you wasted time, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not because like, really everything happens for a reason and you grow from every experience in order to translate it to something else that the next thing that you're doing yeah too so absolutely yeah um well um mike i want to ask you about what we talked about at the very beginning too about the workshop that you did for Mm -hmm. my church and on financial literacy and what I know to be as financial freedom as people call it too. Um, and uh, I was wondering if you could share a little bit with me about your and yours and Jean's kind of journey um, through financial literacy, learning about it and how it impacted you and your family. Yeah. And so this is like, um, this is one of those topics when you talk about money, it's, it can get uncomfortable or some people are like have very strong opinions about money. Mm. And so, or some people just don't know and are afraid to ask and, yes. you know, um, just follow what everyone else is doing, what it looks like everyone else is doing. And mm. so I think that was me growing up. Like I, I didn't know much about money. didn't, didn't know who to ask kind of had some life lessons from my dad but also it wasn't like a intentional topic of conversation. Like Mm. here's how to handle money. Here's how to build wealth. And so kind of went the regular route, graduated college with student loan debt. Yeah. Got my first job. Can I just interrupt real quick? Sorry. I just want to also say um, just to go a little bit deeper. Like I think the real thing is like, Okay, this might cause tension, but like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know, I think in immigrant families too, yep. right? Like, yeah. it's not talked about much because mm-hmm. a lot of times people are just living paycheck to paycheck, yeah. right? Yep. And there's not much saving going on. Yeah. And you just kind of, and even you might, like, I think maybe I would go as far to say as I grew up kind of seeing like us cut corners in certain areas mm-hmm. too. So we don't really talk about it. Right. 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 And so I think that's why it's important for me to be able to share your story in this yeah. platform because yeah. I've learned so much. My David and I have learned so much from that workshop yeah. as well. So, um, yeah. yeah, I just wanted to put that out there because, um, it's not uncommon, right? right. Like coming from an Asian American family, an mm-hmm. immigrant family where, where it's survival mode. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so you grow up like, everything is scarce, you know, you, you gotta like, it's just, everyone's just trying to put food on the table and um, it's either that or like status mode. Like once you see someone get something, you know, everyone's talking about that one person that has that one thing and everyone wants to buy that thing, you know, it could be anything, it could be a bag, it could be a car, you know, house. So, um, so there's like survivor mode and status mode. And so, um, you know, that, that was kind of like, part of the I don't know the the ignorance that that I had you know yes yeah myself as well yes yeah and so knowing that 
hey, there could be a different way to <laughs> approach money rather than just trying to get as much as you can and like spend as much as possible and buy all the nicest things and then brag about it to your neighbors. You know, like there's another way to like have peace along the way and like have a sense of freedom with your money and your time. Right. And so, um, but the, there's not a lot of examples of that mm -hmm. in the Asian American community. And mm -hmm. so um, part of why, yeah, that, that's such a good point. Cause part of why I, I'm like so passionate about it is because I didn't have those examples. And so I, I want to try to learn something and be as much of an example as I can to the next generation coming up. Yeah. And so. Absolutely. And, and all yeah. that to say before, I'm so sorry, before you continue, yeah. I want to hear obviously, yeah. but um, just to reiterate, you know, it, it's not our parents' fault. I, I don't think, you yeah. know, it was yeah. just, they did their best. Everyone just right. did their best. And so right. I just feel like that's important to highlight as well, you know, yeah. in, in talking about this topic and even you mentioning, you know, it is finances, money. It's always kind of a, yeah. like there's uncomfortable feeling. Right. But, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. but anyway, all that to say, you were talking about how um, yeah. you had some loans and stuff. Right. Well, I like your point. Like it's not our parents fault, mm. but to move forward, like at some point it has to become somebody's responsibility. Like yes. once you hear this information, you can't just ignore it and be like, well, it's not my fault that I'm like this and I'm going to keep going on. You know, like you have to start taking responsibility. Even if you're hearing this for the first time, and this is the first time you're hearing about a way to handle money, mm. the fault part is now in the past. And now mm -hmm. it's your responsibility this is to, true, move yes. forward, yeah, to take this information and, and do something with it. And yeah, so, I love that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I had all the loans. I had student loans. I had car payments and I had like um, a credit card. And this was like right when I graduated college. And so I had on one hand, I had a nice college degree, a piece mm -hmm. of paper that said I graduated. But on the other hand, I'm like, if I died that day, I would be negative financially. You know, I'm like, what did this like? How did I get here? Where I'm, mm -hmm. I spent 21 years of my life to get this piece of paper. And if I died, I'm like a negative financial, I'm adding negative financial value to the world. And so um, that was just not a good feeling. And so, you know, mm -hmm. I'm working hard, but like realizing like, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, but because I had all these loans and because um, I didn't know any better, but that's where I was. And then um, my, me and Jean, we got married and we, um, she was living paycheck to paycheck, but never went negative so she would make some money but then spend it all make it spend it make it spend it. and so she was kind of bumping along like that and then um we we got introduced to um a guy dave ramsey who people have opinions about him um and you know, <laughs> which is fair like but i think um the core principles of what he's teaching do come from a good place you know mm -hmm. like the the idea of um, getting out of debt and staying out of debt and building wealth and living below your means. Those are things he also touches on a lot. And so mm -hmm. those principles are, was our introduction to the world of like financial literacy and financial management. Mm -hmm. And so um, fortunately by the time we got married, I actually, I was able to pay off my debt um, mm -hmm. because I was living overseas in India and Romania, like company, they were paying for my housing and all that stuff. And so I paid back all my student loans, paid back my car. But then like, right when I came to America, I, I bought another car with car payments and went right back into debt. And so um, I think by the time we got married, I had paid that car off, but it was like, I didn't know what I was doing. I just happened to be debt free at that moment that we got mm -hmm. married. Mm -hmm. But I was, my plan, if it was up to me, I'd, I'd probably buy a house and buy a car and like mm -hmm. take on more debt. And so, um, but but we intersected with this teaching from Dave Ramsey. Um, and so we, we read a story about um, a couple that was like young and dual income, no kids. And they, they had a goal of paying for their first house in cash. And so they lived in like an apartment and kind of like lowered their standard of living. And that was like 
a big inspiration for us. We were like, mm. I, I think we can do something like that. And so um, we just decided to kind of live well below our means in our early years of marriage. And so we rented an apartment that was, it was pretty cheap for, for that time. And then um, kind of didn't eat out a lot, made a lot of sacrifices, cut up our credit cards. We approached, we had a big savings goal, but we approached it as if it was like this huge burden of debt, you know? And so mm. we, we attacked that savings goal as if it was a huge debt. And so um, it took about four years to get there, but we, we saved up and hit our goal. And then we were able to, to buy our first house with cash. And then um, now, you know, we still live kind of frugally. That was almost 10 years ago. Um, but, but just that experience and going through that kind of refined us as people and taught us like, Hey, there's, there's a different way to do life. Um, mm. You don't have to like live like everybody else, you know? Mm. And so um, it, I, I don't like, I, I used to like sharing that story a lot, but now I'm like, I don't, I don't want to come off as like, you know, like, I don't know. It, it does feel funny. Like telling people we, we live in a paid for house. But at some point, I want people to know that it's possible too. you know, yeah, like, yeah, you don't have to follow the norm. Um, not not everyone's going to choose to do this path that we did, but it is a path that is out there for you. you know? and, yeah, I mean, yeah. it is. You I feel like when you tell the story, mm-hmm. it's a little bit downplayed because, uh-huh. <laughs> because you know, you lived it so yeah. long ago. Yeah. But like to say that you guys uh, lived below your means and saved for four years yeah. to buy a, what I, what I, I know to be a very nice house. Right. Mm-hmm. And like to be, not have to pay a mortgage month to month is mm-hmm. like pretty incredible, mm-hmm. you know, um, I have more questions, but did you want to speak more about what? No, feel free to feel free to ask. Okay, so I was yeah. gonna I was gonna ask you know like yeah. you know so the I feel like the house part, especially yeah. now that you know I'm an adulting and a parent yeah. and you know yeah. have a family of my own is is a very big financial um, like. You don't have you don't have that burden of the mortgage month to right. month, right? Right. Um, yeah. So, with that being said, you know, like, were other did you have other payments like car payments or anything like that after buying the house? No. So that was part of the process. Is like, hey, if we're gonna save up and mm. pay for this house, like, we are gonna we're gonna get rid of every single payment and not sign up for any more. And so, when it came time to buy another car we weren't looking at new cars. We were looking at used cars that we had cash to pay for. Mm. And that was new to me because I, I was inexperienced. I never bought a used car. I was like, how do you do this? How do you do this without getting ripped off or like (laughs) buying a lemon, you know? So it's like intimidating. So, but we were like, well, if we're going to, if we're going to commit to this, we got to commit to this. And Mm. so let's, let's do it. So our first used car, it was a minivan. We bought it on CarMax because that was like, it was like the middle ground for us. Like it wasn't brand new, but it wasn't like buying from a personal seller. Right. You know? It goes through like a lot of checks and stuff. Yeah, too. yeah. Yeah. But you still pay a premium. But, um, but now like since then we've bought, we've bought, we <laughs> bought a couple of other used minivans from different people. And so mm-hmm. that was, you know, a, from a personal seller. And so, um, but stuff like that, those decisions, um, even though they're small, you know, we could have bought a new car, but we're choosing a certain, um, I guess, standard of living. And we don't want to just increase it because of our, because even if our salaries go up, we're content with where we are. And so um, we joke that we'll probably just, our next car is going to be another used minivan, even though yeah. <laughs> like, we'll have the money to buy something better. Like right now, this is a season of used minivans for us mm-hmm. and so um but those those kinds of um lifestyle bumps or uh, you know increasing lifestyle we we tried it for sure like we tried to buy some of the nice things but it was just like more maintenance for us and we didn't yeah. really enjoy it and so now 
last last summer we we got rid of a lot of things like we purged a lot of um a lot of our belongings and so mm. most of our stuff furniture wise for example is like costco fold-out tables yeah. <laughs> and so um you know we have like probably eight of them just right now set up and so we like our dinner table right now is a costco fold-out table with the costco fold-out benches in our garage and that's where we have most of our meals so we don't we don't have like a fancy dinner table or anything We're who just, needs one really yeah um, yeah if we're completely 100 percent honest but yeah. um you know okay so um you know you buy the house yeah which i'm sure was like did it feel like so amazing it did it did it did I I can't even, I mean, I'm sure you'd, you, I would feel so accomplished, but, um, and then you, you know, you don't have any other payments, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, to me in my head, right. Being Mm -hmm. who I am today in the season that I'm in right now, it makes sense to me. But for somebody that's hearing this for the first time, I think there would be like, okay, like, but why, you know, like, what is the purpose of that? Yeah. So what? Like, well, yeah. Yeah. There's, there are, um, it's a good question because, you know, there's a temptation to want to just spend on today and like only think about today, you know, um, because tomorrow's never promised. And so, but I think there's like a balance, you know, Mm. there's, there's wisdom in, um, knowing that tomorrow is also coming, you know, so Mm. you have to be prepared. And so for us, I think that the hidden thing that we didn't, we didn't see coming in a good way. Like the benefit of choosing to live like this is we have so much more freedom and autonomy with our time, you know? And so time is something you can't, you can't pay to get more of like, it's there and it's gone. And so um, this, this debt-free life, this, um, you know, no house payment, it's given us more control of how we spend our time. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and it's given us, you know, for example, me switching jobs and switching back, like I'm free to do that because we don't have to make a lot of money to live a certain way, you know, like mm-hmm. everything's paid for. And so now it's like, how do we, how do we make the most of the time we have and use it in the right spots in our lives? Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it's hard to grasp, but I, I do know this, like we've advised a lot of younger people Um, when they have these big decisions to make, like, where do I go to school? Or like, what kind of job should I get? Or um, um, choices that where one option is a debt-free option and the other option has debt. We've just advised, like, figure out a way to do the debt-free option and trust that God's going to bless that path, you know? And we've seen it over and over. Like, um, people that are passionate about a certain thing, but it might not make a lot of money, like, but you won't go into debt, like, try it out. Like, if you can do that, and not go into debt, you will still have options to choose something else, you know? Mm-hmm. And so um, there, there's a number of people that come to mind as I'm saying this, because we didn't know how their lives were going to turn out. And this was years ago, but they would ask us and we would say, well, based on what we know of like, the way the world works and like principles in the world. If you choose the option that like puts a load of debt on your back, most of your other options are gone. Mm -hmm. But if you choose this other option of, you know, little by little, like slow and steady, then you can still have options to, to do something else. And so I think that that is where um, it's hard to see that in the moment, but um but that's the the approach that I would advise for yeah, younger people. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. um, you know, for anyone listening and maybe being a little bit motivated and inspired by your story that you're sharing right now, and um, truly, it it impacts and affects their, their own futures. Um, do you have any like advice or resources on how to even start? I mean, because it's kind of daunting. Honestly, yeah, yeah. like if you've it never is. I would I would say this. Um and I- I've done this before. Like people when I was younger and I if I saw somebody like me, I would be like pretty intimidated because <laughs> it, it looks a certain way, like mm. from the outside, mm-hmm. but in it it's like 
I'm like very like free childlike, like I, I'm like a kid <laughs> at heart. And so, um, and I don't mind sharing. And so if people want to reach out to me to ask, I'm an open book. Like mm. I, I've had conversations with people that first time I meet them, we can talk about money and, you know, I can help where I can help or, you know, mm. teach what I've learned. And so that's number one. Like I, I hope people know, like they're, they're free to reach out to me. You can put my contact information out there and I'm, I'm okay with that. Like that's part of, um, that's, that's life giving to me. Yes. And so, um, but resource wise, uh, there's, there's all kinds of resources. Um, but it's on you to, to look at them. So there's, yeah. you know, there's Dave Ramsey, there's, um, there's like the whole fire movement, you know, financial independence, retire early F I R E. Oh, and there's, yeah, there's a po- podcast called choose F I like choose financial independence. Okay. Um, they, they do a great job. They like, they go through, they go through this stuff at a very extreme level in a good way. Like mm. they, they give you a lot of motivation. Um, there's, yeah, there's podcasts out there. So I, I don't know. I, I think the biggest thing is like starting to take responsibility of it, you know, yeah. because I, I think um, knowing that you can take a different path than the one that you grew up in, you know, because yeah. a lot, a lot of this, you're going to learn, it's going to come back to your like childhood <laughs> things you missed out on, you know, things you wanted when you were a kid, you didn't get that. Mm-hmm. Now you have the money to buy. So it, it, there's going to be some personal personal growth involved. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, guys, I feel like if I was hearing this for the first time, I wouldn't even know how to start. So I think connecting with Mike and, and Jean and, um, yeah, I mean, just kind of, again, taking your own responsibility to check out resources and listen to podcasts and learn more about what it means to be financially literate is, um, honestly, like probably some of the best advice. Yeah, maybe this podcast could ever give. If, I'm, <laughs> if I, I mean, there's been some great people. All my guests are amazing, including you, Mike. But I feel like, um, stewarding well, mm-hmm. like especially if you uh, call yourself a Christ follower, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. if you believe in God, and um, or if you don't, you know, mm-hmm. I just think stewarding your life well as part of stewarding your finance as well too. So yeah, um, absolutely. And here's, here's, as you're talking, I, I realized that the other reason I, I don't mind putting myself out there is because um, I don't make money on this, like on mm-hmm. giving this advice. Whereas that was the, the tension I felt learning this stuff. Like sometimes I'd be learning from someone like, wait, if I learn from you, but I have to pay you to learn, then, are you running a scheme of some sort, you know, whereas like, yeah, (laughs) and it's such a weird, but it's, it, it crossed my mind. Like I know this person is doing well and teaching this, but they're also making money. So is this, is this some kind of scam? And so that's what I initially thought of Dave Ramsey, Mm. if I'm being honest, but, but now having been through it as like a normal person with like a a normal job that Mm. I don't work in the financial industry i'm not gonna like try to sell anybody anything Mm. um i just know like there are certain principles and through all the people i've met who've done this um certain things work and other things um will seem like they work but they don't so yeah yeah Yeah. that's great awesome um well to circle it back around mike before we close our time together um i wanted to if we go back to your job yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I wanted to know, um, yeah, like some, what is, what is, do you think is like the worst thing about your job or the thing you like least about your job? Yeah. Your day to day. Well, I, I, I took some notes cause I, you sent me the questions and so right, the, right. the thing out like the hardest part of my job is probably because it deals with people's pay that mm-hmm. like certain deadlines are like you got to make them no matter what. And mm-hmm. so as flexible as it is, and I, as much as I love working from home, mm-hmm. there comes a point in like every week where I'm like, this is crunch time. Like we got to get this done. If there's an error, we got to fix it. And so that's, that's probably the one thing I don't like about the job. Okay. Um, but, but it's not that bad of a thing. If you can kind of build around that, yeah. you know, like block that time off. Um, 
trying to think what else. Sorry, can I yeah. sorry, uh, yeah. what you just said. So like, are there some errors or problems that just take a long time to fix? Yeah, or, or there, there's some that take a long time to fix because it can get pretty complicated, like the number of things that is related to that error. Oh, so it's like um, a, almost like a trick. That's why you said detective, because like yeah, yeah, you, you got to trace that. Out. Yeah, it's like you're doing forensics on on like wait, what happened? And you got to look at like it's gone. Like the error could be gone, but you have to look at like evidence that it was there at some point. And so you're looking at all these like this history of stuff, like reading through logs and stuff. And so um, you're kind of piecing together a scenario that cause the error but that scenario is done you know like like a murder you know <laughs> so interesting I don't know. okay yeah. okay yeah okay and that so that more sense. that's probably the the thing i don't like about the job mm -hmm. um but um but i think one thing one thing i hope people realize like when it comes to any job is you are replaceable like eventually you will get replaced and so mm. um hopefully you're not holding on too much to that job as your your source of identity you know mm -hmm. because at some point you will be replaced in the job you do in your profession yes that's yeah that's so real mike <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that, that's how i've approached but again this is like part of like working or like understanding the the mafia way of things mm -hmm. is like knowing that you're just the role is there you're filling the role but eventually you will move on to a different role. Yes. And so you kind of just steward that role and talk about it. But you can not like cling on to that as like, mm. that's you, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, just letting people know like, hey, while I'm here, like I want to make sure this thing gets done and mm. gets done right because we might not be here. You know, this team might not be here when this problem happens next year, you know? So, right, right. yeah, just speaking like that, that that's wow. helped me understand things. That's like, puts a lot of things into perspective <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Okay. Well then what do you like the best about your job? Oh, what do I like the best? Um, right now it's, I can fit this job around my life. Mm. Like, um, you know, I went through a season early in my twenties where my whole like, my life was wrapped up in my work, you know, but now it's um, I, like, I don't let work get in the way of life anymore. Mm -hmm. And so um, the flexibility of this job is, is uh, priceless for me. Yeah. 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 It's, I think, yeah, really it is. I feel like that's one of the things that um, David and I are both realizing, you know, mm -hmm. and I think the pandemic is a, it's like an after effect of it, kind of like, oh, the grass is always green, a little bit greener on the other side when we look mm -hmm. at other people like work from home and stuff like that. And yeah, um, but yes, flexibility, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, before we end our our chat tonight, Mike, mm -hmm. I was wondering, do you have any advice? about um it could be i mean i feel like the whole podcast really was just advice like amazing <laughs> advice uh, um but anything to add you know like whether it's somebody thinking about like your job specifically it's like oh this seems interesting mm -hmm. any advice for them or just any life advice other than the amazing nuggets you've been giving us tonight <laughs> yeah well so i, I <laughs> thank you for that i mean this is part probably one of the few times I was able to like sit and think about some of these questions and mm. so that's where I'm like oh I, I hope someone listening would would get this out of this conversation mm. so the two things that I, I wrote down was um was number one to um to it, it goes back to money but like if you can stay out of debt you have options and so you can you can take chances you can mm. take more risks you can um be a little more bold you can follow that passion yeah. as long as you don't have like financial obligations and so um that's something like we've been teaching our own kids even to this at their young age we're like hey you know you don't you don't want to have debt like you know we're debt free and let's stay debt free and mm -hmm. they're like what does that mean I'm, I'm just like we we don't owe anyone anything and so mm -hmm. we don't want to owe people money you know mm -hmm. we can give money and we can 
um, but we don't want to like borrow money, you know? Mm. And so um, staying out of debt is number one. And then I think number two, what I'm realizing now, and this is, this might be a hard concept to grab grasp for some of the younger listeners, but um, really start to know yourself and know your story, because I think um, the better we know ourselves, the more we're going to know like what kind of work energizes us or what kind of work comes naturally to us, what kind of work um, is life giving for us. And if we do more of those things and we're out of, we're free to do that because we're out of debt, then, then I think like more paths will open up and more like unconventional type of work can open up Mm. if, if we know ourselves better. And so um, this is something like, I wish I did earlier. I wish I knew myself a little more, but I'm learning myself now and I'm realizing, wait, this job is actually a good fit for me because Mm -hmm. of the the things I get to do. And so, um, um, but I think when you're younger, you're, you're trying to make your mark. You're trying to like prove something to someone or you're trying to live up to someone else's expectations. Mm -hmm. And that, that kind of runs counter to knowing yourself, you know? And so um, that's, that's some, something that, um, you can start with like personality assessments and, mm. you know, Enneagram and, and like temperament and like learning all that stuff yes. um, because it, it does, it does matter. I think when you're, you're going to spend a good chunk of your time in a profession. So, yeah, no, that's a great point to make. I don't, yeah. and I don't know if anyone has articulated in the way that you just did. And mm-hmm. um, I think even thinking about my own life, you know, yeah. I spent a lot of time trying to, um, please people, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. make sure they're happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even before realizing the things that I'm good at mm-hmm. and enjoy and how like my brain works. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it wasn't until I was older, you know, uh-huh. that I was able to kind of be more self-aware. Yeah. And yep. yeah, that's a great point. And yeah. And you know, like, um, my first personality test was the uh, Myers-Briggs mm-hmm. yeah. and I felt like, so David and I took that together yeah. and I felt like it opened like so many, like, un- like I was like, wow, like this is right. why, yeah. you know, X, Y, and Z. And then like, mm-hmm. even uh, we work with a team at our church. Right. And mm-hmm. even finding out their personalities. Exactly. And it's like, oh, this is why we need to work like this and not like this, you know, instead of butting heads and Mm -hmm. things like that. So, um, yeah, like take a, that's great advice. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thanks. And so, yeah, I I think you're right. Like the, just, yeah, the better you know yourself, the more you can like have bandwidth to understand other people. Yes. And then. And then you get into those relationships and then it's, it's the mafia. It's the mafia <laughs> so, again. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so it's, it's all related. So yeah, um, yeah. absolutely. Well, um, Mike, thank you again so much for um, no giving me your time tonight and yeah. sharing so much information and wisdom. Truly. Oh, this, wisdom. this was a lot of fun. Thanks. Yeah, you're you're doing a great fun. job. I, I think this is, this whole platform is such a good idea. So I'm excited to, to share this with, the people around me. So. Oh, well, thank you for saying that. It's extremely encouraging. Thanks again, Mike. And you guys, yeah. you heard it here throughout. You know, Mike is so willing to connect with you. So if you have any questions about the podcast or for Mike, feel free to reach out. You can DM me through social media or you can email me at podcastwigu at gmail.com. Thanks so much again, Mike. Thanks, guys, All for right. listening. Thanks, Blair. Bye. Bye. Until next time. Yeah. <laughs>